Welcome to Serviced Accommodation Secrets with me, Sally Kemba. This is the podcast where you get the on the ground experience that we're living and breathing with our serviced accommodation units. So you get to share our hacks and tips, our mistakes, so you can learn from those and thrive on our success. So welcome, welcome, welcome to Paul Anderson, the social media hotelier. It's brilliant to have you for an interview five months on from Hospitable Hosts, Paul. Thank you. It's awesome to be back, Sally. It's lovely to see you again. It's As as you said, it's been five months. Quite a lot been going on. Quite a lot's happened. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it's always a delight to, to talk to you. And it's always a delight to talk shop, really, with people who are passionate about what they do. Awesome. So I thought it would be great to catch up and find out what's been happening with you since the book launch in May. Because I know you've been busy on various fronts and things changing in your business and all of your social media uh, education you provide actually in boot camps things. I've been part of some of those. They're awesome. And we've got a few questions for new and existing hosts that I think you might be able to help with as well. So, Absolutely. <laughs> so, so what's been going on in the last five months? Yeah, well, give us the lowdown. Quite, quite a lot, actually. Um, so <laughs> what I didn't mention in the book is that I'm also in the Royal Air Force Reserves. And just before we spoke last time, I changed squadron. So I used to be a mover. So what movers do is they, they trim aircraft and then they put stuff in the aircraft they tie it all down everything from toilet paper to tanks basically um we try not to drop it on whitney as we take off from bryce norton um and fly around the world but i changed squadrons to retrain as a driver so i've been working through my driver licenses with them so i now have a ticket so i can drive hgv trucks i can drive 16 ton off road vehicles articulated lorries i've got buses and coaches coming up in december so that's all been bubbling away in the background, um, which has wow. been exciting. And it's it's with 501 Squadron, which is the most decorated squadron, um, reserve squadron of all time. So it's the original Battle of Britain squadron. So just getting involved in all that history and such, which is a great escape from the guest house and the Instagram work that I do for my clients. The guest house um, is just because I'm based in Oxford, it's it's very much the seasonality is after everyone else's high season traditionally. So summer's quite quiet in Oxford City. We do say that the locals get the city back. So August has traditionally been my quietest month. But then okay. September, October, the city wakes up again. So um, full house, not next week because I'm on vacation, but full house um, and just running with that. And at the same time, helping other accommodation businesses leverage the power of Instagram. Um, I've been taking on clients and doing strategy and one-on-one -on -one coaching and these things, and that that has taken off at the same time. So an original side hustle that was designed to fill what was looking like it may, might continue to be an income gap after COVID, the two of them have just <laughs> just launched up. So I uh, was speaking with a, with a very dear friend of mine, and he said to me, well, you're now running two businesses, and if you're going to make a success out of them, and you're not considering hiring anybody, then you're not really dreaming big enough, are you, Paul? And I thought, you know what, you're not wrong. So I read a book um, called Clockwork that Mark Simpson recommended to me. Okay. And I started analyzing my time and how I was spending it. And then what I tried to do and successfully did was identify things that I do, certainly in the guest house, that I can outsource. Brilliant. So the lady who used to help me with my, my ironing is now 
kind of much more frequent and regular. Um, right. I've taken on a housekeeper who comes for two hours every morning, Monday through Friday. And um, this has given me a large, um, well, it's given me like a day, really. It's given me 10 hours back every week in, in my life. Um, yeah. And so what I'm now finding is that I can use that opportunity to deal with all of those nagging projects, those things that I knew needed dealing with, my accounts, a bit of DI, all that type of stuff. So I'm almost at a ground zero now. Um, we are going on holiday for four days tomorrow. Uh, and what I would hope is when I come back and my high season starts to tail off, then I can start doing all the things that I want to do um, with the Instagram. So in the pipeline, I'm working on sketching out a 12 episode podcast just to see how that works and just to have a go at it modular courses and start building things and actually giving people meaty value instead of just little daily tidbits oh this is a new thing oh i recommend doing that oh i've noticed that hosts aren't doing x y y and z and just just level that up so it's yeah it's oh. it's it's very exciting to think that or it's very exciting to feel of an evening after dinner I have a quick look at my computer and turn it off. So come half past eight, nine o'clock, I'm done. Whereas in the last four or five months, it's been 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock. Oh, right. just do one more thing. And then before you know it, an hour's gone. Cut yeah. You, know, you get very task focused. So yeah. I'm very, very excited about winter, which is fairly unusual for me. <laughs> that still sounds amazing. You've got so many different things going on. So did you find that analysing your time, you know, with the, um, the book, Mark suggested that really helped you figure out what was important to work on and manage your time so that you got a better life basically it sounds like um it wasn't necessarily time management per se oh. but the benefit I got from it was actually understanding how I was spending my time yeah and and from that I, I didn't kind of overanalyze it but I very quickly got an idea about what was going to give me the return on investment and yeah. me spending two hours cleaning rooms every day. And I was thinking, right, okay, so 10 hours, if I do 10 hours of coaching calls, is that going to make me more money than it's going to cost me to get someone to, to do it? So there were quite a lot of easy wins and decisions. I want to go back and revisit it. So it's, it's already in my, in my pack list now mm -hmm. um, to take the book with me and, and just get a little bit deeper because what the, uh, what clockwork very quickly helps identify is, the type of work that you're doing, not not the actual task, but so for example, if you were to recruit somebody, and I found this out for having taken on my first permanent member of staff. So there's national insurance, there's PAYE, there's income tax, there's um, auto and orphan pensions, health and safety, um, how to pick up a box, dealing with um, substances that are potentially hazardous to health because it's bleaches and all that sure. type, type of thing. Yeah. Um, I had to go through that process but every time if you take somebody on as a permanent member of staff there is an element of trust that is given with the tasks that are in their job description yeah. and I think and I know this from my R, my R, from my RAF time is that if you don't hand that over and trust them and give them the uh, the confidence and the agency to do that job you end up spending more time monitoring what they're doing oh, yeah. <laughs> than if you did it yourself so mm. We are. I think it's a it's a fairly common thing when someone says, "Oh, can I can I help you with that?" And you go, "Actually, in the time it would take me to explain it, I could have done it twice." And so it it very much looks at management styles, how to recruit people, 
Do you need to recruit people? What can you get off your desk in order that you can then focus time on strategic thinking and the direction of your business? What might be coming up next? Um, I wouldn't say that, for example, I'm trying to think of a, of a parallel to, uh, to the accommodation industry. And that would be, for example, people, I didn't, for example, see the, see the creep of TripAdvisor. Right. And it, and it crept up on me. Which is, which is fine because it was a very, very useful tool. But what I realized during COVID was that my old adage of work hard, advertise, advertise again, go back and make sure that all your local people and you got flies out there as much, just keep advertising, tell people that you're there. I'd stop doing that. Oh, okay. I'd stop going out with brochures to the local hospitals and, and um, trifolds to the local cafes and the tourist information. I just stopped doing it because TripAdvisor was providing that for me and it, okay. this is this is what sparked me to get involved in social media and it just happened to be instagram that one i loved two i was obsessed with and and three it turns out i'm pretty good at um and i thought what well, i've missed out the advertising i'm working really really hard but no one knows i'm here i'm relying yeah. on third parties to be doing that for me um yeah. and then of course with the online travel agents, as I say, charge a commission for all that marketing. Oh. If I own it myself, then I can control and I can manage it. And I know who my ideal guest is. And it's not just people who, who pay punctually, arrive on time, leave on time and don't trash the place. It's, it's much more nuanced than that. So moving through that process and just understanding, actually, I can do this and I want to, to do it as opposed to outsourcing it was a, yeah was a massive aha light bulb moment it, it was an awakening and without it um i don't think i'd have been involved in the book i wouldn't have met you could self i wouldn't have met this world of beautiful beautiful people and authors i know um, it's amazing and, and, and wouldn't be able to i wouldn't even consider to help other hosts bnb owners glamp site owners um market themselves on social media specifically the instagram so it is a huge thing isn't it because yeah, you kind of set your places up, like we've got our service departments, and then you need to tell everybody, don't you, and keep telling them and the right people. But I think if you get your head stuck in the operational side, so we've got quite a few apartments now, if I was to do cleaning, I'd just never do anything else. <laughs> you wouldn't. So you, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't no. be on top of, oh, you can use a QR code for people to access Wi-Fi. You wouldn't be, oh, yeah. when they access the Wi-Fi, you can scrape and collect all the email addresses and set up an email marketing campaign all these things if you're if you're too working in the business then you don't work on the business and this no. um this clock this clockwork book was a um not a revelation but it it, it made it bite-sized for me yeah and i think as well like um you shared that you had to um go through the process of recruiting somebody permanently and all the health and safety and the training and then let them get on with it and people can feel oh well you know that's too time consuming or i can do it myself but unless you never get past that as you say you're never going to grow and um you know we couldn't run our business without our team on site and and vas for sure but um I am a little bit of a control freak. So I'm working on that daily myself. Because so. <laughs> you have to give people autonomy, don't you? And they have you to do. know that they can just get on. So, yeah. Yeah, I think having worked on my own for myself since I was about 26 years old and I'm going to be 46 in March, it's, um, yeah, you have to, what I'm drawing on is my REF experience than managing teams and managing people and go, well, actually, they, they are fully trained and, 
the course this lady can clean and she can walk up the stairs. It's just a... <laughs> <laughs> I had to show her how to walk up the stairs and pick up a box. It was mental. But then in the Air Force, we go through exactly the same process. Yeah. Exactly the same process. Every year we, we get told how to wipe our noses. You know, it's... <laughs> I love that that you um you didn't share it in the book, did you? And I don't think in the previous interview that you're an Aria um reservist. That's great. You're driving lorries and all sorts of things that you love doing. That's really fun. Absolutely love it. And it's a far cry from everything else that I do. Yeah. So it's the change is as good as a holiday, really, in many respects. And when I just after I joined, um, our son was born. <laughs> what, what used to happen is we'd go through a training weekend or an exercise or we'd be working for four or five days and all of my oppos at the end of it would be absolutely exhausted. And I'd be <laughs> bouncing off the walls. I said, why, what, what? how do you have all this energy? He said, well, actually, I've just had three nights of seven hours straight sleep every night. And I, haven't <laughs> had that, I haven't had that for a month. And so um, my, my, my line is I, I joined the Air Force for a rest. I love that. I love that. So in comparison, you'd had so much sleep. It's hilarious. Because when you're a parent, you suddenly realise, oh, wow. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, oh, I love it. It's so rewarding, though, isn't it? It, it is. It is. Uh, they, I don't volunteer. So they do, they do pay us. But I don't do it for the money at, at all because it's, it's, oh, okay. it's probably, um, yeah. Yeah, I'm about 43 pounds a day <laughs> and I have to buy my food out of that. So Okay. <laughs> don't go too mad with your lunch then. no no i'm doing it for the for the, for the love of service I missed, out on, <laughs> I missed out on her majesty's funeral procession but i've got my name down for the coronation in may next year so all oh, these types oh, yeah. of extra benefits that come with um service and you know, basically just helping the country i suppose it sounds Amazing. a bit crap and, and I, I don't like to talk about it in those oh. in those terms but it's it's incredibly rewarding to be able to just get in a car drive for half an hour be on an airbase put on my beret, get my military head on and contribute really. And, and yeah. it's very different from cleaning toilets or dealing with guests or bookings or creating content or coaching hosts. It's just, a, it's an absolute far cry. And it has the added benefit of it gets me out from under my family's feet for <laughs> however long I'm away for. And I think my, my wife, um, despite the pain of my basic training and, and me being away for a long time, um, I, I think, she that's the blessings that she's not going to count she's like yeah i yeah you stay <laughs> Bless her. oh so what would you um say you didn't include in your chapter of hospitable hosts as well that um you think would be helpful for um aspiring hosts to know or people doing it already kind of what what i, what I wish i'd known when i when i started sally um no, things that you just hadn't quite got around to mentioning in the chapter yet, because I don't know about you, but when I wrote my chapter, it was very long and I had to condense it down yeah. <laughs> a lot. So <laughs> the advice is like, oh, can't include that or that or that. So I think yeah. the I think the big thing that and I was speaking about it at um <laughs> went out for dinner with an organization in Oxford called Independent Oxford yesterday. And I think it's important to remember that what I think it's generally the case with with people and I, I think host well I know hosting is all about people and you have to like people even if they're slightly strange or obnoxious you have to get along with people yeah and I think guest housing and short-term rentals and hosting and being hospitable and open-armed and welcoming um, lends itself to 
people who, who are running their own accommodation businesses um, not being alone. So what I've certainly found by being part of the book, by doing a lot of lobbying um, of government during COVID, by reaching out in the hospitality community or Team Boostly or wherever it happens to be, is that I think hosts are just genuine, genuinely keen and rewarded by helping other people, whether that's helping someone find a bus to get into the city or helping someone um, because they have to bring their dog to a short-term rental or wh whatever that is. And I think that that spills over into the community. I think there's a, whilst people might be in competition with one another, there is a friendliness and a helpfulness and a, and a collective attitude. So I think that's a very long way of saying that if you are running your own, <laughs> if you are running your own accommodation business, I think it's key to understand that you are not alone and hosts are always keen to help other hosts. Yeah, there, is, there is a strong sense of community around that, particularly for smaller businesses rather than big chains and these types of things. Mm. Tend to have the lobbying power to influence local councils or local government or national government. En masse, as a collective community, um, the relationships that, that I've been building, and a, a lot of it was sparked off just before COVID for me. Um, mm -hmm. Everyone's just really keen on helping each other. And, and yeah. yeah. You're not alone. Reach out. People are always happy to help. Happy to help. Yeah, because you never know what's going to happen, do you, in your business? And um, there are great Facebook communities like Boosie and obviously Hospitable House. Yeah. Um, we share some stories in the book. And I'm sure Absolutely. there's lots of hosts and many, many more stories. And I think there are, there are so many people who, who are hosts and are hospitable hosts that it's very easy to find someone who's encountered a problem that you're encountering for the first time yeah and has already either worked around it or found a solution or just gone actually it's not that important don't sweat it yeah um and that that type of collective knowledge um that people always seem very happy to hand over and to give uh, yeah. the amount of time that people have given me when i've had a problem it's been absolutely astonishing and the, some of the random people and twitter connections and this that and the other yeah. but if you don't ask no one's going to know when no one's going to help you, you know. This is true, yeah. Shy yeah. kids don't get candy. Just, <laughs> just ask Just ask for help and someone will go, yeah, I can help you. Yeah, you're right. You're right. People love to share. And like, I don't know, sometimes things can get out of perspective, can't they? But if you know that other people have experienced it and they share what they did, that's really useful, isn't it? So, um, yeah, just never know what's going to happen in hospitality. But most people have experienced the same. <laughs> So, yeah. or they're going through a similar thing at the same at, at the same time so there's a there's a sense of um shared experience really yeah yeah and thinking about um when you first started i know you've been in business quite a while um is there some advice that you were given in the beginning that still is true for you today would you say yes i think and I don't think this is necessarily specific to, to, to hosting or running an accommodation business, but I think it's very important if you run your own business, whatever that business is, I think it's very, very important that you very early on set and maintain boundaries between your professional life and your personal life. Mm. Um, my, my setup isn't, isn't unique, but I know that people listening into this will, will have a variety of accommodation business styles, but I live in the building and it's always been just me. And so it's always been very easy for me at the drop of a hat 
to answer a service bell on the front desk or go the extra mile or do some printing late at night or whatever the guests want. Um, and then certainly in my, my early days, I, I had to kind of stop myself and go, actually, it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm not going to go rummaging around for a shoehorn. <laughs> Which I had about, I had about a week ago. Someone went ding. It was quarter past 11 at night. I was in my pajamas and I thought, you know what? I'm in my, I'm in my pajamas. I'm brushing my, t- no, I'm not answering that. Bell. <laughs> they know where the emergency alarm button is. If it's a serious problem, they know what to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the regular bell. I'm not getting tea bags or whatever it was. And it turns out that the gentleman was looking for a shoehorn ready for the morning because he was leaving, as he said, early, which was about half past nine in the morning. So okay. it just genuinely didn't matter. No, um, so it's quite nice to have a, a fairly recent example of that. But certainly when, when, when my wife moved to Oxford and we married she she had a sense of what this what service levels meant to me and and how i delivered it but she would often say to me oh someone's rung the bell and i go yeah but i'm in the middle of my dinner i'll go up and i know who it is because <laughs> i know this and, I, and i'll do it on my time because i have to separate my time from my professional time yeah and taking on this housekeeper for the guest house has afforded me that that a little bit of extra time and i'm it's a bit of a mindset change to actually be comfortable going you know what i've got things to do but it's nine o'clock at night i'm stopping now yeah and that that line can very very easily and very gently creep as you go oh just this once oh, and then you do it again and then you do it again and then something else just this once and you do it yes. again. And it can very quickly take over um yeah so you and having to draw that. quite rigid lines mm. for the social media hotelier because I'm starting to pick up clients who are in the United States as well as as far as Japan and Australia and and they're very much well can you can you not talk to me at 3 p.m and I go well actually 3 p.m because you're in California is bedtime for me yeah Uh, and then having to find workarounds for that in order to hold that line for me but equally deliver the service to the client who's keen and excited and has paid for something and i want i want to give them as much as possible but there there does come a point where the two things need to be distinct yeah so you have to establish your time and little messages on instagram hang on this person's sending me messages it was three in the morning like (laughs) so now like turning that off and switching that off and when we go on vacation we're going to the lake district for those of you who don't know it's it's not mountainous, but big hilly lakes and so on. So oh. my, my wife booked it. I don't usually trust her to do that because she's booked some awful places in the past. <laughs> um, I said, whatever you do, make sure you book somewhere at the bottom of a valley. So I, I have to deliberately go and connect, do what I need to do and come away. Otherwise, it'll just be pinging the whole time. Oh, yeah. You can't have that, can you? No, yeah, you have so to stay. Define and maintain personal boundaries and stick to them. Yeah, that's cool. I like that. We have opening and closing times and um, emergency message type thing overnight. But most people are really good. But as you say, if people are overseas, that's when they're awake. So you have to just be um, decisive and firm, I guess, do you? Yeah. Awesome. And is there anything then that you thought was the case and a truism um, by which you'd run your business in the beginning that now you don't think is actually the case? Yes, I, I think it ties into the personal professional boundaries. Um, 
I used to think that it was really important to do everything that my guests asked of me. Um, and you genuinely don't. You don't. Um, if you do what you do, and you're proud of the way that you do it, just do that. Um, because guests can be very, very demanding. And I think whilst it's always, you always want to do that little extra thing to make the experience better, to make it more memorable, um, because guests don't really remember what you do, but you they will always remember how you made them feel. Mm. And if you make them feel special. Yeah. Um, then every opportunity, I used to be like a dog after a bull. But I don't, I don't think it's necessary to, to try and accommodate everything that everybody who comes through your doors wants. Right. Um, and it, it comes back to that drawing a line. Well, you, actually, that, that's a little bit too much. That can either wait or I have an alternative solution or even just to say, I'm terribly sorry, we don't, have, we don't offer that service here. No. Yeah. And, and, and if you've managed your guest expectations from when they've discovered you to when they booked to when they arrive and whilst they're here, if you manage that properly, number one, you shouldn't have too many requests like that because people should know, for example, that you don't do an evening meal, say. Yes. Or um, you don't offer an ironing service because mm. you know it's about burning someone's silk blouse or something. Um, <laughs> and just draw those lines and, and just be, no, this is what I do and I do it well and it's a fair price. And stop. Yeah, yeah. That's that's always been the case. It took me a little while to realise that. Yeah, I think you're right. You can um, try and please some people, um, and they're never sort of happy, maybe. But as you say, if you lay out the expectations transparently in the beginning, people should be aware. Um, yeah, and yeah. if they're looking for somewhere that offers a laundry service, and you've made it plain that. This is what we do, and we don't do this. Like we don't yeah. do food for or food yeah. something a bit more substantial than that. <laughs> then it's not your fault. It's a, it's a little bit like when you get a review that marks you down for your location. <laughs> no, and you're like, Come on, what, yeah. what? like back in the day, maybe <laughs> when I started in two thousand nine, when when Google Maps was a bit boxy, but. <laughs> 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 you don't want to why would you pick here if you want to be there Plus. <laughs> it's, a, it's a similar thing it's a similar thing there's you can do you can only do so much but when people try and push that envelope a little bit yeah and, and if you think they're being unreasonable don't say you're being unreasonable but yeah and i guess you get a feel for what you offer being perfect for your ideal guest really don't you so they kind of will guide you, I guess. Reviews and things are quite useful, aren't they? We do surveys, yeah. so you find out what people need. Absolutely. Um, yeah, awesome. And so just thinking about that, if you had um, the chance to go back in time and tell your very young um, host a few secrets, what would be the, the main one that you would tell yourself, do you think? I would recommend focusing on progress rather than perfection because things, things will go wrong. Things mm. do go sideways. People will pull showers off walls. People will not like the way that you poached an egg. People will decide that they've booked in the wrong location and you can't up sticks for them for that night and then put it all back again. Um, and so I think identifying 
criticism that you can then, even if it's just negative criticism, but you either close that out so it doesn't come back in the future, or you go, right, what can I do about this short-term, medium-term, long-term, and focus on improvement, continuous improvement, um, rather than perfection, then I think you avoid getting knotted up in, oh, crumbs, the guest is complaining because the pillow's a bit firm. Well, you can't be perfect for everybody, but what you yeah. can do is, is you can continually improve what you do and how you do it, and measuring yourself against what you were doing last week or last month or last year is mm. far more important than going, oh, well, everyone's saying that they're perfect. I should be doing that. Yeah, yeah. Is absolutely key. And and for me, actually, it's 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 more of a more of a life motto so as a as a as a host as a as a social media coach type instagram expert as um a member of his majesty's royal air force as a father as a man really um as a husband if i'm not improving then i very quickly get quite depressed um not not in any kind of catatonic way but <laughs> It, it kind of gets it kind of gets me down if I'm not moving forwards if if I'm not becoming a better parent or I'm not Stop. learning new skills or discovering that if I say that to my wife she really hates it <laughs> maybe maybe keep it in case I want a product or, or 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 just avoid saying that because we we, we learn and we grow if I'm not advancing um, not necessarily my career but my skill set with the Air Force and taking what I'm learning with that and applying it to how I recruit members of staff here um, and how I treat them and how I talk to them in the agency that I give them. If I'm not progressing as an individual, I find that that very, um, I just really don't like it. And so rather than focusing on, oh, I need to be the perfect boss or, oh, I need to be the perfect this or, oh, my content needs to be absolutely perfect. Um, just focusing on, well, actually it's better than what I did yesterday. Yeah. So don't beat yourself up. <laughs> don't be don't beat yourself up because particularly when you when you begin, the, the worst thing is someone someone writes a slightly bad word on TripAdvisor about you. Like, oh, oh, I'm gonna do yeah. three stars. You know it's gonna come again. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. No. Just take take the learnings from it and make sure it doesn't happen again. And just yeah. Because it's all it's all just a big learning curve and it doesn't really matter in the end anyway, so long as you're you're doing what you do to the best of your abilities, you're maintaining personal boundaries and you're progressing as a business, as an individual, then everything else can just slide. It doesn't matter, does it? I love that. So focus on the important things. And I think it's better to do things and fail and make mistakes because you do learn mm -hmm. from those, don't you? And then yeah. you're brilliant at sharing with everybody what you're learning with um your business and inspiring everybody with what you're doing there but also with instagram because the marketing of our businesses um is so massive and instagram is just such an exciting platform so i think yeah you're doing amazing stuff paul so i think thank you Sally. Winning on that. <laughs> i will i will i will keep trying to progress <laughs> <laughs> oh it's fantastic and um just a, a parting thought, really, from the point of view of hospitable hosts. Uh, what would you feel, really, um, a, you know, after five months, how it is now that you, you're part of this, you, you're in the book? 
what does it make you feel? What can you share with everybody? Maybe somebody who wants to take part in the next edition. That it's uh, so it was it was a little daunting at first, um, and and to 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 see some of the names that I'd become familiar with, but remotely, almost by proxy, because I'd I'd read someone's book or I'd heard someone's podcast or I'd um, or I'd heard mention of them in some with some words of esteem, and and there's little old me with my five bed guest house in Oxford, like who like who the heck am I, and and to to be welcomed into such a community where there's no, well, I've got 16 of these and you've only got three, or there's no, there's no one-upmanship. There's no competition. It's just literally, wow, you have an amazing story to tell. I had no idea that such a thing was possible or that it could be done. And that um, the kind of mutual uplifting of everybody by everybody has been, has been a, a wonderful experience. It's given me a great deal of confidence um, it's gave me enormous amounts of motivation to to seize upon um, the skills that I have and and to and to push myself and to push them forwards. One by having seen other people's example of doing exactly that. Secondly, by people going, "No, actually, Paul, you can do this. Come on!" And uh, that whole movement. I'm sure you yeah. you must have felt something something similar. It's a, yeah, it's a it's very strong, really. close knit community. Yeah. Uh, I can't I can't wait for the next meetup. It's going to be. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's going to be fab. You're so right. It's such a positive, um, welcoming group and whole community and globally as well it's phenomenal so i think in in life generally there are there are kind of two types of people there are uh, no because type people who well, we can't do that because what i've certainly found with a hospitable host is that everyone consistently has been yeah and <laughs> we can do and 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 it just self-perpetuates yeah. it's brilliant that's awesome loved every minute of it wonderful Oh, well, it's so fantastic to catch up with you again, Paul. Thank you. I've really so enjoyed much. it, Sally. Thank you. Oh, brilliant to see you again. Enjoy your holiday and um, much, much success moving forward for you. Lovely. Thank you, Sally. Likewise, as well. It's been an absolute delight. Thank you so much. Um, can we just briefly get you to share your contact details as well if people want to get in touch with you? Yes. So, um, as the social media hotelier, the best way is to find me on the Instagram. So that's at the social media hotelier. Um, drop me a direct message. Do follow. There's free content coming out every week. Uh, I do offer a range of services. I have a, a suite of strategy planning and uh, design and content, all the way through to just one-on-one -on -one coaching calls. What you will find though is if you go to my Instagram account, which is at the social media hotelier. Um, there's a little button there and you can just book 30 minutes of my time for free and we can kick ideas around. There's no obligation um, and just talk shop, whether that's like we are now or um, specifically target ad, whatever your challenge might be. I'm always happy um, to find people who want to talk about one, accommodation businesses and two, Instagram, because my wife says I'm still obsessed with it. <laughs> still. <laughs> you might be right. <laughs> um, Wonderful. That's so excellent. Thanks so much, Paul. You take care. You too, Sally. Have a fantastic weekend when you get to it. Thank you. Sharing the secrets of success.